welcome to Middle Grade Book Party. I'm Heather Clark. And I'm Cheryl Caldwell. We're two middle grade authors. Exploring writing craft. Highlighting author journeys. And celebrating good books. And today, we're talking with author Victoria Piontek about fainting goats, anxiety, and the key to the universe. Victoria Piontek is the author of The Spirit of Cattail County from Scholastic Press, a ghostly story of magic and friendship set in the Everglades. The Spirit of Cattail County was a Bank Street College Best Book of the Year and was selected for the Sequoia Children's Master List. Victoria is also a literary associate for executive agent Laura Rennert at the Andrea Brown Literary Agency. She holds an MFA in creative writing for children and young adults from Hollins University and an MST in education from Pace University. And she's one of the nicest people we've ever met. We're here today to talk to her about her forthcoming novel, Better With Butter, coming to bookstores near you July 20th and available for pre-order now. Let's jump right in. We'd love to have you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about the premise of your wonderful book, Better With Butter. Hi, thanks so much for having me here. My name is Victoria Piantek, and I'm the author of two middle grade novels, one um, called The Spirit of Cactail County, and my second novel is Better With Butter. Better With Butter is the story of Marvel McKenna, a girl who is suffering with generalized anxiety disorder. And life is getting pretty hard for Marvel when she discovers a fainting goat that is being teased by a group of older kids and surprises herself when she kind of, when she rescues the fainting goat. And once she does, she really falls in love with Butter and decides that when Butter is with her, Butter makes everything better. So she goes on a journey to figure out how Butter can spend all her time with her, even at school. Um, And since goats don't go to school, that (laughs) has some challenges. So true. Um, Some amazing challenges. I have to tell you, Victoria, we are in love with this book. From the title, to the premise, to the cover, to the fact that, you know, I get to tell you what I liked best about Better With Butter, but... My favorite thing, honestly, was giggling endlessly with my daughter, Abigail, as we read this book. It was the perfect read aloud, and I think everybody should read it with someone they love. But I have to tell you, she's a lover of contemporary middle grade, but she hasn't loved something this much since the Penderwicks. But also that we found parallels to our daughter's own anxiety and also finding that this could be quite a heavy topic. And sometimes I feel like when I write about anxiety, I'm writing it heavy. It's it's kind of this painful, difficult, angsty thing. And instead, because of Marvel's just delightfully optimistic voice, even when she's talking gloom and doom, it feels light. It feels enjoyable. And um, I would love it if you could talk a little bit about how you were able to do this, how you were able to treat this this difficult, you know, heavy topic with so much joy. Thank you so much for all of that. I love the Penderwicks, so that is like the highest praise ever. I, you know, I think some of Marvel's voice came just from my own experience with anxiety. And I think one of the interesting things about anxiety is you're doing it, but you also realize you're doing it. So there's so many quirky things that I do, which I realize are funny and kind of, you know, quirky, I guess, for lack of a better word, I'm using it again. But, um, and so I just wanted to kind of infuse that sense of self-awareness into Marvel. And I, I mean, 
also there, you know, and not to diminish how much, you know, someone struggling with anxiety, how much they have to deal with and how much pain it can really cause. But there are moments of sort of, I feel like in my own anxiety journey of just a little bit of dark humor, kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. I realize I'm doing this. I realize this is not probably um, (laughs) typical. And um, I laughing at myself actually helps me a little bit um, deal with my own anxiety. I think that reading, I think that reading her laughing with herself at the anxiety was actually a blessing. It was actually a a real help to my daughter because she could see herself in there and just laugh and laugh with Marvel. It was fantastic for her. Oh, thank you. So glad you felt that way. And as somebody who does not experience anxiety, after reading, I felt like I understood what it would feel like to be inside of a brain that works that way. And I want to read this from page 70. And this is when she's, Marvel is trying to help Butter after Butter has had one of her fainting spells. And she says, you know, Butter, I have anxiety like you, I say, talking to distract her from the loud noises. Only I don't think I was born with an anxiety gene. No one else in my family has it, and my dad's the bravest person on the planet, so mine isn't genetic. I think mine started from a seed and grew up inside, like a giant redwood. Sometimes I feel like my insides are a whole redwood forest of concerns, one worry pollinating another. Butter gazes up at me, and I swear she's asking me a question with her aquamarine eyes. You're wondering what the seed was? Mr. J, the school therapist, asks me all the time. I'm not exactly sure. But Mr. J says anxiety is unprocessed feelings coming out sideways. And just that passage alone helped me to understand what it might feel like to be somebody that experiences that on a daily basis. And I'm curious, what do you want your readers to come away knowing about anxiety? I think what I what I really wanted readers to know about anxiety and dealing with anxiety is how truly brave they are. And how truly hard it is Um, because my son has suffered with anxiety for many, many years. And he's, he's been really gracious about allowing me to be open and talk about this. And and he actually, you know, he always says, I'm like, are you okay if I write about this or talk about this? And he says, you know, he's like, I don't think it's anything to be ashamed or embarrassed about. It's just the way my mind works. And, um, and I really, I really appreciate that. But I also have watched him for years get knocked down and just get right back up again. So I just really wanted people who are struggling with anxiety and also for those to love them, to just honor them a little bit, honor their strength of perseverance and perseverance and, and, you know, just that kind of just getting out there and keeping going. I mean, it takes an incredible amount of strength and bravery to do that. And I feel like people with anxiety and also the parents and the friends that love them around them, they just, they do it without even giving it much thought or seeing um, how special that is. Oh, that's amazing. You succeeded. You did. 100%. Oh, you know, Marvel, Marvel winds up being one of the most delightfully proactive characters I've ever encountered in middle grade fiction. And in this way, she also mirrors my daughter, um, Abigail. My daughter, Abigail, has 
as we, we've analyzed a lot of executive function because we deal with ADD in our family. And um, she, she has goal-directed persistence, which is one of the, the executive function skills that if you have it, you can compensate for a lot of other things. And Marvel had goal-directed persistence just, <laughs> just coming out. And it was so amazing. She made me laugh so hard because the things she would decide to do, I was like, I cannot believe she's doing this right now. I cannot believe she's going to try this next thing. She would do these bold, daring things. And at the end, she has a conversation where someone asks her, like, tells her she's brave. And she says, I'm not brave. I, I had no other choice. And I'm thinking, yes, you did. You could have just curled <laughs> up and just sat down and done nothing. But tell me more about what it was like writing Marvel as a character. Oh, uh, she, she was just a joy. I mean, I, I, you know, sometimes she felt like she just sort of formed herself in my mind and just talked to me. I feel like that was her vessel just That's typing out, but she was fun. Like, cause she's just so, <laughs> she's a little quirky. She's a little, um, she's so funny and um, she was just a joy to write the entire time. And I, I actually, um, I almost hesitate to share this because it sounds so arrogant, but I would be writing and just laughing. Well, I can believe it. Laughing <laughs> while I'm writing. I'm just like, I, I can't believe she's doing this. Like sometimes I was like, she was just doing things. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so funny. Um <laughs> So I'm glad you felt that way too. And I also really wanted her, I really wanted to show her bravery. I know she doesn't think she's brave. She doesn't think she does things. Right. But again, that was something that I feel like people with anxiety or people who are struggling with stuff don't realize how much they overcome. The other day I told Cheryl, I said, I just feel like these things hit me and I curl up like a pill bug. And Cheryl said, then you're one brave little pill bug. <laughs> and I actually was just that, that really moved me. Cause I was like, nobody is one thing, right? Like sometimes we curl up like a pill bug and then we uncurl and we go back and we keep going. So it really shines through your story. Right. And speaking of another character that kept going, you have a incredibly unique character in a fainting goat. <laughs> I want to know what was your inspiration for this? But before you do that, can you explain a little bit about myotonic goats, also known as fainting goats, so our listeners know what we're talking about there? So fainting goats are a particular breed of goats that actually were had a genetic mutation that then was bred into them. Um, so they will fall over when they get scared. And they were originally, I think the original, I think they were originally from a specific herd in Tennessee. Um, but they also, it's kind of sad because they're also used as decoys. Oh. So they're put in a herd of regular goats. Oh, that's terrible. And then the fainting goat will fall. So it'll be the one that the predators will go after get. That's when it originally started. Now they're generally just kept as pets. So I, I so, um, so now that it's kind of bred into them and they're kept as pets, um, because people, you know, find the, they're kind of a unique, very special, um, set of goats. That's so cool. Right. So what made you choose the, the fainting goat to be in your story? Oh, well, so growing up, I actually had a pet goat named Jennifer and, um, she would, 
I did. I did. So I mean, cute. we had we had so many animals, but Jennifer was really special. My mom found her um, at a farmer's barn, and uh, I don't know. She was going there for something else, but she ran across this goat. She paid a gazillion dollars for this goat, like back when I was a kid, and it had it was covered with mange. It was a baby, and she she was half dead. My mom brought her home. We put her in the, um, she lived in our house for probably for months, um, until she, Oh my gosh. (laughs) That makes this story so much more authentic. I had no idea. It does. She lived in our house and I originally had wanted butter to live in the house with them, but I felt like maybe that was just a bridge too far. But anyway, um, (laughs) she, um, and she used to wait for me at the school bus each afternoon. Like as if she could tell time. I don't know how she would be there. And she would walk with me down to the end of the school bus and then she'd be waiting for me when I came home. And so, and you know, I didn't realize it. I mean, you don't really, uh, I was kind of an anxious kid. So just having my animals meant so much to me and, uh, you know, really helped me escape kind of some of the worries that I had at school. So, and I've been trying to put a goat in multiple stories for a really long time. And I was talking to my editor about wanting to write about anxiety. And then I was like, you know, and I would really love, you know, to write a story about a goat. And she's like, uh, Victoria, why don't you put those two together? Um, so I have to give a lot of, I think that it's a fainting goat. That is so fantastic. (laughs) Mirror characters. It's perfect. (laughs) although Jennifer was not a fainting goat she was just a normal you know charming I really did come to love this goat I really did (laughs) so I also really loved Marvel's relationship with her parents and it was very interesting and a little bit like stabbed to the heart because um initially kind of the angst she has with her mother we've got this amazingly sympathetic father who's not around most of the time, not by his own choice. And then the more pragmatic mom who has to be on the ground dealing with this anxiety every day. And um, there is a moment when they're going to school and she says, we're playing the game we always play where mom like tries to not make eye contact and tries to not notice my distress. And I like act more dramatic about it. And I'm like holding my stomach and trying (laughs) to like make her notice me. And I was like this, is actually a true story from my life repeatedly. Like this has happened so many times because a lot of times the only thing I can do to try to help them get through the next moment is pretend their anxiety doesn't exist. Right. With my kids. And um, can you tell me more about Marvel's relationship with her parents about writing that and which elements of that were most important to you? Um, Thank you. I I feel like I have been Marvel's mom too with um, my son and trying to get him going to school. I mean, I feel like that was like a page out of his younger years, but yeah, I really wanted to, I really wanted to show the family around the person with anxiety and how difficult that can be for everyone in the family. And And I really wanted to show just the whole relationship, not just the mom, because I feel like so many times moms can be in the trenches with the day to day, but I loved having the dad um, just really be there and be supportive for her. Yeah. You did a beautiful job with that. And the father is a military hero as well, but he's also Marvel's hero. And one of the things that he says, which I found incredible was he keeps telling her that he gets scared all the time 
but that he doesn't let his fear make his decisions for him. And I just love that. I think that is a perfect lesson for everybody, whether it be a child or an adult. And it's just such a great life lesson. Can you talk a little bit about this and how it works as a theme throughout your story? Um, I, I feel like it's kind of the key to anxiety and that, that idea that we were talking about before about um, getting up and keeping going is like you, you have all these fears that run around and around in your head. And if you're not careful, they will be making your decisions instead of you making your decisions for you. So, um, it just was really important to me, that idea that, um, to kind of combat those fears and that the idea that you have them, but you do it anyway. And that's where the real sense of bravery and heroism comes from. So what I'm hearing there is that the key to anxiety is the key to life. Because if we all made sure to not allow our fears to make our decisions for us, just imagine the lives we would lead, right? There you go. I (laughs) know. I know. It's something I think about in everything, like even as a creative or a writer, like if you let your fear of not being good enough or let your fear of um, people are going to criticize me drive your decision of whether or not you're going to create, um, none of us would create, you know, everything's terrifying. So true. Yeah. That's a really good segue into author journey. And can you tell us, you know, everybody's got different author journeys. John, tell us a little bit about yours. Like how did you get your agent? How long was it from the time you first started writing to you got published? Uh, forever. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I, so I, I always wanted to be a writer. Like it was the thing I always wanted to do ever since I was little. Um, But I was dyslexic. I am dyslexic. And so I never thought I was going to be smart enough to be a writer. So even though I wanted to be a writer, um, I didn't pursue that for a very, very long time because I didn't think I was capable. Um, I finally, when I, after I had my children decided to go back to school and try to get a, um, a master's degree in creative writing, which I did from Holland University and um, children's writing, which I was like, which was always my favorite. I originally thought I wanted to write picture books and I ended up writing middle grade novels. But I, so I did that. Um, my first book was actually my oh. master's thesis. <laughs> Spirit of Cattail. Yeah. And so I wrote the first 50 pages of that for five years <laughs> And then because I had to turn in my master's thesis, I wrote the rest of the book in about two weeks wow. and then set about revising <laughs> it. But I was actually a pitch wars. When I got done with my master's thesis, I um, sent it into pitch wars and that's and um, Incredible. got some agent interest. I love it. And I love the obstacles that you have overcome too, because I feel like that that sense of empathy that comes through in your writing, I feel like you know, pushing through those anxieties and pushing through some of the things that we think make, make us, make it impossible for us to do what we want to do. That really shines through in your writing um, thematically. Absolutely. If you could go back and talk to your pre-published self, what bit of advice would you give to yourself? Run. I know. (laughs) That's a good question. No, I think what I would just say is enjoy the process. Um, Especially the pre-published self, because once you I know everyone, I feel like this is so cliche, people say it, but enjoy just the creating for yourself. Like we feel, um, 
because once you, once you get into the, like, kind of, you've got a contract and you're going that, that moves, it's usually two years out, but that is a quick two years. It moves so fast and, um, and you don't have the luxury then to just sort of kind of wallow in creativity. So I guess I would tell myself to, you know, stay steady, but chillax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like chill out and That's enjoy awesome. it. Did you have any, like, if you have one bit of writing advice, you know, your five minute MFA for somebody, but you know, two minute MFA for somebody, what would you tell people is your favorite writing tip? Maybe even recently. Um, I would say my favorite writing tip is to remember that you are not writing on stone tablets. So go ahead, put down whatever comes to your head and it's all editable. <laughs> so that was really freeing for me. you know, it's, it's fine. I actually had a dear friend of mine that she would just, she was a master at, you know, just kind of writing whatever, even if it was the most ridiculous thing ever. And she felt, you know, she would go back and revise, but I learned a lot from her and I was like, oh my gosh, that freedom to just. That's what lets you try those crazy things, right? (laughs) Like the crazy things Marvel does. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The freedom to be ridiculous. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tell us what your writing process is like. Um, I I think it's probably very dysfunctional. I um <laughs> I am sort of a uh either I'm full on or I'm full off. So I when I'm writing, I'm writing probably eight to twelve hours a day nonstop. And when I'm not writing, I'm not writing at all. Um I'm thinking about a lot of things, but I, I am not the daily. I'll get up at 5am and write for 30 minutes. My life doesn't work that way. My kids don't work that way. Um, so that's how I manage. I, I clear everything off my plate and I just go until I'm done. So I have a question about that because I tend to be that way too. And I know the ADD in me works that way because I can hyper focus (laughs) pretty well and then I can't, but I have a really hard time launching that plane once it's landed. Do you have anything you do to help you get started? From nothing. I love, I love the way you just said that, Heather, launching that plane once it's landed. It's so true. Um, there are two things that I've learned to do. One, I'll never stop at the end of a chapter or at the end of something, because if I do, I feel like it's tidy and ending, I won't go back. Um, and one of the things that I've learned how to do now is I actually, I start my, I start by writing a pitch Um, So I'll write like an elevator pitch and then I will write a synopsis before I even start writing. And then I'll do an outline and having, having that, that kind of guidepost for where I'm going really helps me get that plane off the ground. Because if I don't have that, I don't know what I'm doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing, then I'm like avoiding writing. So to start with the pitch. That's brilliant. Well, and especially because if you don't have the pitch to start, you never know if what you finish is going to be pitchable at all. That happens to me, actually. Like I've written whole <laughs> books and realized I still can't concisely say anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. that's not a good sign. <laughs> and so after you have your outline, do you then pant in between the, the plot points? Yes, I do. And when I say I have an outline... It's very broad with a lot of room. Yeah. Um, you know, I just know that I need 
for example, with Better With Butter, um, I knew I wanted to have a conflict with the mom had a garden and I wanted butter to like be put in the garden in a safe area and um, maybe that didn't work out so well. So like, like when I say I outline it, something like that, like I'm like, oh, this chapter, this needs to happen. Cool. So you want to go ahead, Heather, and ask the kids questions? I do. So now we're going to do a little segment of the podcast <laughs> that's earmarked for kid readers. So you're talking to your, your kid readers. So we did get Abigail to make one of these questions. It's pretty good. So we'll cute. start with that. She said, when you write books, does it help you with your own emotions? Oh my gosh. I love her. Yes. I, I think I learned so much about myself, um, writing better with butter. And my first book, um, is about a girl dealing with the grief of her mom dying. And that also is also a very personal book. And my mom's mother died when she was a child and she really carried that with her her entire life. And so, yeah, that book too, I was kind of writing through sort of my emotions about all that, my sadness for her and, and, you know, how I also felt about her and yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful personal connection you have to that story. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, what were your favorite books when you were a kid? So I meet very few books I don't like. I can read anything, and if I have nothing to read, I will choose to read the back of a cereal box if it's in front of me. But um, my favorite books were The Chronicles of Narnia. They were just heart books for me. Like, they were just my escape. Um, I also loved Ferdinand the Bull. He's one of my favorite. And the other book that is actually one of my favorite, which is kind of funny because it's a very – it doesn't, I don't think it has great role models maybe now for kids, but I love this little book about this squirrel, Miss Susie, who loved to take care of her house and clean up, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which, awesome. which now it's not my favorite book, but at the time I loved Miss Susie and her little house. Right. Victoria, as you said, I've just kind of loved to read everything and never met a book I didn't like. It, it reminded me that you had said you're dyslexic. And so did that make it hard? for you to initially love reading and feel confident reading? And if so, like, what was that transition like? Yeah, I, um, I don't think I really learned how to read until I was probably in the fifth grade. And the first book I ever read on my own that had chapters in it was Ferdinand the Bull. And when I do school visits, I like to show people because the I have my Ferdinand copy with me that I kind of keep with me all mm-hmm. the time. Um, So yes, it was really hard for me to learn how to read. Um, But once I learned how to read, it became the most precious thing in my life, which I think is why I loved it so much. Dyslexia, like anything, is on a spectrum. And some people have it more severely than others. But I think there is this idea that dyslexia is just, you see letters backwards. And while that can also be the case, it's it's more a recognition of the sound symbols. So some, some ways that my dyslexia really affects me now is that I'm not very good at pronouncing words that I don't know um, or sounding out words. And I am an atrocious speller. What middle grade novel that you didn't write should I read next? Mm, That there's so many. (laughs) Um, One book that I really love is a snicker of magic. It's kind of an older book. I love that one too. Um, Front <laughs> Desk by Kelly Yang is just 
so charming. So what is your favorite part about being an author? That's a great question. Working with words and moving them around. That's exciting to me because it means you won't stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite book that you wrote? That's a hard one. I... I think that my favorite book is always the one I'm working on at the moment, but I think Better with Butter, definitely. Are you working on a book right now? Um, I'm working on something, but I don't think I'm ready to talk about it yet. It is in very rough stages. Well, I'm excited. (laughs) Where do you get your ideas for stories? So everywhere. I think what if questions are great. Like if something piques my interest, I'm like, well, what if that, you know, or what if you took a go to school or, um, Uh, So definitely what if questions. One of the other things I love to do is use mentor text. So I love to look at books that I personally love. Um, Like I love Because of Winn-Dixie and Really Better with Butter is like my kind of version of that um, Because of Winn-Dixie animal love story. So I also like to look at mentor text and think, how would I do what I love in that story, how, how would I do it in my own way? Oh, that's awesome. That is. I love that. Mentor right. text. What a great that's way perfect. to look at that. Okay. So um, my last question, you said that writing for kids is your favorite. Why? Why do you like to write for kids? I think I like to write for kids. One, I feel like in my head, I'm perpetually 12. Like, I feel like that's where, I feel like sometimes <laughs> you just kids don't really get this, but like when you grow up, you like always think of yourself at a certain Mm -hmm. age. And I always see myself as my 12 year old self. Um, I liked her. Um, and then I also love middle grade stories because they are hopeful and happy at the end. Kids have so much to do and so much ahead of them. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here today and talking with us and helping us to go forth and make decisions beyond our fears. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Spirit of Cattail County has been on my TBR for quite a while. Oh, thank you. It's very different. It's a ghost story, so it's totally different, and it's sad, (laughs) and it's not really realistic. (laughs) (laughs) I just love your words. Yep, me too, me too, and I love the heart that comes through, so that's fantastic. Thanks so much for having me here. And that wraps up our conversation with Victoria Piontek. Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and wisdom and helping us all not to allow fear to make our decisions for us. Listeners, thank you for joining our book party today. Please be sure to say hi to Victoria on Twitter and on Instagram at at Victoria Piontek. To check out all of the links and books mentioned in this episode, head over to mgbookparty.com for the show notes. And don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd love you to stop by and say hi to us on Twitter at MG Book Party. And if you can catch us individually at heatherclarkbooks.com and Cheryl Caldwell Author.com.